Very welcome along to the LCC Monday evening TTM show and lots to get through tonight. Lots to discuss, lots to look back on and lots to look ahead to as well. Of course, uh, as always, Mr. Kelly and Mr. Harvey here with us. And our special guest tonight is one and only Niall Morgan. Uh, fresh from a training session, it looks like. But uh, we'll find out more about that as uh, we look back on Eden Dork's success. Apologies, Niall, for not really including you last week, but the Vangalan story was so big we just had to, had to deal with it. Absolutely, yeah. Good to have you with us. How does it feel to be uh, county champions? Ah, uh, well... Uh, whenever we won it in 2015 I never imagined I'd be back playing to meet it again I was sort of hoping that I wouldn't have too many years left playing that I would, I would spend them in senior football so but at the end of the day you can only win the competition you're playing in so we, we set our targets at the start of the year and we achieved them so we're, we're more than happy to to be intermediate champions again Yeah well you say you set your targets at the start of the year obviously the league is waiting for the fixture at the weekend is that right? Oh, I, uh, I will let our lovely neighbours, Aglish, who we get on very well with, they, they can have the league title handy enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Orkin Martin will find himself and obviously will be, uh, uh, well, interesting, shall we say? Uh, well, you have an, an Aglish man managing Eden Dark and an Eden Dark man managing Aglish and Paul Coney, so um, it'll be, be interesting for both of them standing in the line. I have to say, Arbo would be absolutely delighted with the fact that we have Dark Man playing Paul Cody. Um, that's yeah. Nice. yeah, I, I like to uh, call Paul and even Dark Man as often as I can because the, the more I call him it, the more he, he might believe it and the more he might stick around, you know. Well, it's not the same about me, but anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, we prepared him to you know, but uh, a man who has had uh, as many clubs as him. but. Listen, can we talk, talking about uh, the achievement of winning the championship, of course. Uh, as it turned out, I suppose the final wasn't as uh, competitive as most, many people had expected it to be. It's most scorching, just so maybe it was a bridge too far for them. But credit to Dorf, the answer was presented. You grabbed it with both hands and were very, very impressive on the day. Yeah, as, as I said in a couple of interviews after the game, you know, everybody kept talking about how, you know, Gorton were going to outwork us and you know, if we could match their work rate and if it didn't take them for granted. But like we, we hadn't took anybody for granted all year and we certainly weren't going to start in the final. And I think maybe our work rate caught them off guard and uh, they didn't maybe perform to the level that they would have hoped. Um, so they'll be disappointed. But we got the, an early start and we, we kicked on and we kept it tight at the back for as, as long as we could as well. And um, I think on the day we're, we're the better team. Like. Did the, the fact that you conceded four goals in the semi-final to touch, did that raise alarm bells or did it uh, give Larkin something to really focus on in terms of getting the mind sharp and the concentration right? Uh, a few of us spoke near on the Clare pitch after the game, on the not even even before Larkin had spoke, on the way to the huddle, and we had sort of said that, you know, Paddy Ray scoring the goals might have been the best thing that happened because the game was sort of running away from them and we took our foot out of the gas and it made us realise that, you know, if we, if we did do that again in the final, that we, we could get caught. So um, it just made us, you know, realise that we, we had to push on and keep, keep it tight at all times because the, like, throwing football to me is majority a mentality. Um, the club football that is, is, is all about mentality. Like, and, you know, anybody can beat anybody on their day. There, there is the, the top six or seven teams in the county, obviously, but, they can all be beat on their day, and um, we're we're no different and intermediate. I think everybody was sort of had a had a target in our back this year, and Agnes the same. Agnes maybe get caught early on in the league, and uh, maybe get caught in the championship as well. They'll they'll feel that they left it behind against Scorching, and we just had to make sure that that we were the hardest workers on the pitch and and not to let uh, anything slip away. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, when you look at that match and we watched the right few of the championship games this year, um, it was probably the one game that uh, there was, uh, as the scoreline showed, there was quite a gulf in the two teams, you know, the, the, in terms of the quality of the finish. But I suppose it was the two forward lines, Kevin, really, with the, the real difference today. Uh, there's no doubt, look, as, as Nell said there, but, you know, before a ball was kicked the year, Aidan Darkwell had this axe on their back because, you know, they were so close even to a senior final only two years ago. And um, I know when you go down out of intermediate or down into intermediate football, some part and it comes straight back up again, and that's what they've done. But uh, it, it did, did uh, 
boiled down to the two sets of forwards, I think ultimately um, Gortrin were battled hard and got into that game. It was a very tough game of Greencastle as well, and obviously a big upset beating Agnes and deserved to do it. But uh, Aidan Dark for their, their point was probably were pushed a lot, I thought, that day in Stewartstown against the Rock with 15 minutes to go. Things weren't looking that good for them. They were three down against the win, but they showed a lot of character that day to come through. And I think they axed the firepower. Everybody in the run-up to the game there, they axed Anel and Darren McCurry, Harry Oak, Connor Mullen. You know, them boys all capable, all weighing in with scores. Um, and that everybody was sort of tipping that was going to be the difference between the two teams. And ultimately, that, that proved to be the difference. You know, Aidan Dark went out and they, they put Gorch into the sword early on. They got they got ahead of them and you know, they made sure all they had to do then was keep the scoreboard ticking over and they had to very difficult for Gorch to come back. And as Nell says there too, Gorch probably didn't do themselves justice, didn't play well in the day, but Aidan Dark certainly um, hit the ground running and um, they had the game. The game was, was as good as over as a contest by half time though. Uh, I suppose, Damien, the fact that uh, Kevin said there that, that uh, Dark opened up the gap, and Gorton chased the game, and when they were chasing the game, there was gaps left at the back, and the, and the man-to-man situation, from us, we were looking at it, uh, the man-to-man marking situation didn't work out particularly well for Gorton, did they? No, it didn't, but I suppose when Gorton sat down to try and analyse how they're going to take on this Eden Dark team, there was part of it maybe, don't die wondering, you know, it was like, let's be brave and let's take it on man to man and, and let's see how the game goes. But unfortunately, the game was over at half time almost. Um, and that was because you can be as brave as you want, but if there's better quality players in that inside forward line, you go on man to man in there, it's just asking for trouble. And that's exactly what happened to the Gordon team this time around. But you have to hand it to Eden Dark. I think they got a bit of a kick on the backside in the semi final against Taddy Ray. And there were one unnamed journalist will will who as I say will continue to be unnamed said about fifteen minutes into the game this is this is this is non event the Tally Ray game and then suddenly it was back to four points at one stage um so I think it was the right it, it was the perfect semi final for from Aiden Dark's perspective they went into the game they went into the there was never going to be any complacency in the final after what happened to them in the semi final um but I have to say. Fair play to them in terms of the concentration levels because Kevin know he was involved with the Galway team last year. It's a serious. It's all right being the favourites and it's all right playing well, but you need to concentrate and you need to concentrate for sixty minutes and then you need to do that six or seven or eight times in a year. This year, Kevin's Galway obviously last year they had to do it fourteen or fifteen times last year to go and do what they did. But you need serious concentration levels, and I think we saw that in the Aidan Dark team this year. This year they applied themselves, they obviously worked very hard for the manager and um, I think it was a real enjoyment from what Aidan Dork were doing this year and I think that a lot of that to do with the fact that the county men were available in the club and there was a real camaraderie built up between the players this year that I haven't seen for, for a number of years and I will say that about a lot of clubs as well. Yeah, Pony, I was going to say it now, the fact that uh, yourself and Darren and, and, and Colin and those guys you know, there was no involvement, there was no distractions, it was very much the focus was on club football. And there was that <laughs> opportunity to really get, as Damien says, develop the camaraderie, the team spirit. And, and you could see it almost in, in, in the performances, you know, where there was a, a most mutual joy and, and, and enjoyment in, in the way that these, not just won, but the way you actually played. Yeah, like uh, you have the three of us obviously in the senior team and then Neil was on the under-20 team as well. So he would have been missing for a portion of the year. And then if the season, obviously, if COVID hadn't have arrived the, the way it did, you'd have probably had the lure of America for three or four boys as well. Um, so it, it worked out perfectly for us. And I think we're not the only club to reap the rewards, but I think everybody enjoyed the, the club season with the county players in full swing. I know after the Dublin final yesterday, just going by Twitter, everybody is talking about how Ballymun looked a different animal with their, their Dublin players tuned into how they were looking to play. And I think, you know, with the, the proposal of the split season, I think it's it's a no-brainer, really. And I, I just hope that the club be treated with the, the ultimate respect in it. And it's not, you know, a case of we're going to play county football in the, the best time of the year for as long as we can. And then we'll squeeze in the club with whatever we have left. It's a, it's a, important to get the, the balance right and, and to do that by, by talking to the players and, and not making the decision at, at headquarters. I, 
with, with what they think will work uh, money-wise. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the year that uh, you know the way things were going, and uh, particularly during the first lockdown, when, when life was slightly different and, and you were finding uh, different priorities. Um, did I read somewhere where you mentioned it was going to be very, very difficult to get the focus back and, and the commitment and the desire and the drive required to be the type of county footballer that you were pre, pre-lockdown again? Absolutely, yeah. Like we were at that stage, we were training probably you were on the go six times a week. Whether it was the whole way to give a high or not, you were you were expected to be doing six sessions a week, be it three in the pitch and three in the gym, or four pitch sessions and two gym sessions, whatever it was. And that's that was expected, and that's not just in Toronto. I think that's that's every county. Um, and there's no chance, even still, well, that I will go back to that. Like, you know, I'm I'm struggling enough for. For motivation at the minute to find myself going back to Gibbahe on a Tuesday, a Thursday, and a Saturday. Never mind, you know, if they added in the gym sessions as well. Um, I just think, you know, the way things are going, you know, it's hard to even think that there will be a county season in three weeks' time. I think it's madness to to consider it the way things are going. The numbers rising constantly every day. Donny Gall's in lockdown to the sixteenth of October. We're due to play them on the eighteenth, and I just I don't know how. How that works out? How you can say two, right two days later we're able to to bus in two two buses? It'll take the throne team because you're only allowed half capacity on the bus. Um, if not two buses, it'll be thirty cars going to Balagofe, and you've, it just to me it just doesn't work, you know. And I think you need to sit down and think about it. Very straightforward now. I mean, the same way as the pub when they close at ten o'clock, COVID stops working at ten o'clock, and yeah. the COVID. Working exactly under that date, and then everything will be grand. Yeah, and you be <laughs> and that'll be. It. But listen, um, you're there. Um, surely the sunsets in Gervai at this time of the year are beautiful. Uh, unreal, I uh, can imagine. <laughs> um, well, like last Thursday, we went up, and it was it was actually quite a mild night. Like, and I think it Gervai is this great thing of learning into a false sense of security. Like, it's no matter when your first train of, of the year is, it seems to be a lovely night. Um, and then it just gradually gets colder and colder. I think it's maybe expected to be really cold and, and lures you in, but um, yeah, it's, it's Somebody just hard Gear, to think of. Gail Murphy sits up there uh, with the, the car boot open and snoods available, <laughs> gloves available, hats available. Uh, to be fair to Kieran, if I'd say if any of the throne players contacted him and asked him to sit up there, he would. Like He, he does absolutely everything. For, no matter what any of us throne boys ask, it's it's never an issue with with Kieran. Like he's he's unbelievable for us. Like to be fair. Okay. Funny, I met Declan Sherlock yesterday at the, the Camogie final, and he was telling me the same thing that he happened to be up one night at, at a Camogie training session uh, or hurling session up and give a high, and he was he says absolutely founded. And he walked over to the car to get a pair of gloves, and uh, Kieran saw him go over, and he landed over, and he gave him a snoot, and he gave him a hat, and he gave him. A, he said, couldn't get over it. He said he was just so generous, and I said, well, yeah. that's that's the nature of the guy. Like. Definitely, definitely, he's, he's unbelievable. Uh, Kevin's a man you know well, a man that we obviously have been involved with, but he really does, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he, and he, he gives full support. Ladies, Camogie, senior man, doesn't matter. A uh, typical gabbly man, Norley, give me, give me a short of his back. <laughs> he would give me a short of your back. <laughs> uh, no, no, listen, he's, he's, he's a great operator, he's... he's um, He's really done well with his business and long may that continue. And as Nell said there, and I've seen it there at club level, clubs, not even only our own club, but clubs all over the country. Um, he's very, very good when it comes to things like that there. And he's always supporting charities and everything that's going. And, um, you know, real good business head on him as well. And uh, he's going very well at the moment. And um, I say, hopefully that will continue because... Uh, you need people like that. You need he's a GA person as well, not just a businessman. He's he's very the whole family is very much into the GA, and uh, you know that's nothing. Never seems to be a bother to him. He could joke there or need this or need that, and you're sort of you're only messing about about it. But then it bump into you the next day or a couple of days later, and he has whatever you're looking for him. So he's very good that way. Now there's no doubt about it. Absolutely no question. Now go back to the club thing. We were saying you mentioned that the promotion obviously was the ultimate aim. Promotion has been achieved through through the championship. Um, when you when you look at the team this year, wh- where are the major improvements? I suppose the fact that Harry Oak's back, you, you know, is a big big, big focus at, at full forward and having myself and Darren, you know, uh, what a, what a, a line to have there, like in yourself supplementing and augmenting that as well. 
But what has been the big difference in, in terms of uh, performance and in terms of preparation? I think, uh, I suppose, like, Edendork is a relatively small club and whenever we're blessed with, with numbers, we made a, always a good 15, 16, 17 men, but once there was a few injuries on tow and maybe a few suspensions and then Hyog and Mark went to uh, teaching in different countries, so you like we're we're really wore down to the bare bones and we tried to bring through younger lads the last couple of years. And then obviously them two boys have come home this year at the same time. Um it sort of freed me up to go outfield as well. Um where I played goals last year. Um and then like Damien done great work with us for two years. He really came in and he probably changed the the, the mentality of a lot of us boys where we, we sort of were happy and content with where we were at and Floating between Division One and Two, and um, he sort of gave us a wee bit more uh, steel about us. We got badly caught last year. I suppose we in twenty eighteen we got to the semi final of the championship and maybe thought that we'd arrived. And we got rude awakening the next year. We lost. I think we lost maybe four or five of the team that played against Kilkenny. We lost them the following year through different reasons, as I say, going abroad, injuries, uh, work commitments. And we we went down, and we we deserved to go down. And Damien left, and Larkin came in this year, and was probably blessed that the the boys came back, and uh, even the likes of Kean Ferguson coming through from minors, and um, very strong for his age, and he gave us a good option. A few boys got a bit fitter than what they were, and took it a wee bit more serious. And Larkin's train has been absolutely class, and again mentality shift, and you know really making us believe in ourselves and and who we are as a club, and. I suppose, you know, listening to uh, podcasts and stuff on high performance, uh, just, you know, trying to change the culture of, of us as players and, and really making it a bit more player-led. And everyone's just sort of came together this year, but the, the proof will be in the pudding next year when we go up to Division 1 and me and Darren and Con maybe have to sit out for a few start games and the lure of America's maybe back and a few injuries and suspensions. And, you know, that's whenever the proof will be in the pudding at the end of the day. And ultimately, I suppose, Kevin, that's the big, that is the real challenge. I mean, getting promotion to Division 1 is one thing, but the work only starts when, when, when you know, there because it's about keeping up and it's about particularly the teams that are coming up, you know, via the, the league or whatever. Uh, it, it's a totally different animal because you can't be the top, top guns in Division 2, but when you hit that Division 1, I mean, if your first three or four games were some of the, some of the, top, the top teams, the likes of uh, Dremore and, say, uh, Oma, Eric O'Keefe and Carrick Moore, you know, get end up four plays, no points, and suddenly confidence goes. And then, as, you, as, as Niall said, um, possibility of the lure of America, other other options. You know, suddenly you lose a couple of players, and then it's, it's, it's a, a you're, you're swimming against the tide, Kevin. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think Aiden Dark were, were very similar to again the year that the um, the won their championships, but the the new injuries. Well, there's another player back in mind and playing for Academy, a, a real good player, and he, he was dog injuries was uh, Stevie Stevie Court, yeah. and um, you know, I think he'd done a couple of cruciates at a very young age, and you know, it was great to see him back playing football as well. And you know, when you have that, and you don't you don't have injuries, it's a big plus. But I think this last uh, two to three years, there's a trend there that the teams that are dropping out of Division One are coming straight back up again. And uh, as Niall says here, I think it's a mindset too. When when you do drop down and you do come straight back up again, I think you've a you've a choice to make as players and as management as a club. Like you know, do you want this again? Do you want to be do you want to be back down playing uh, intermediate football again, or do you want to get up into senior football and, and start mixing with the with the so-called bigger teams? And I think you know, going forward, that's what everybody wants to aspire to. At the end of the day, you know, Tyrone's very competitive right across the board, intermediate, senior. Junior, whatever, but um, you know when you are when you are winning intermediate titles, and you are, you have come as close to to getting the senior championship final, I think the next goal has to be to uh, to push for that top six, top four, whatever it is, and and run the championship because you know, at the end of the day, if you're if you're winning intermediate titles and maybe even doubles, like like Aidan Dork could win this weekend, I think you know you don't want another intermediate title. You know you you definitely don't. You want to be you know, you want to be part of an Edinburgh team going forward that can challenge for, for senior titles. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that has to be the mindset at the end of the day. Medals are nice to win, but 
if you've got too many of the of the same medal in your collection and they're not senior, well then you're obviously doing something wrong. Damien, uh, I suppose I'll ask what you're eating dark hat. Right? Uh, when you think of uh, the success of Dungallon Clarks, the success of of Sonic St McCartans, uh, both those clubs have shown that you can come up from intermediate football and build on that <coughs> you know, within a, a short space of time, be really and, and truly feasting at the top table. That's right. And I, I think what Niall says there is really important. I think how are Aidan York going to cope with you know being in Division 1 and maybe not having one or two players available when they need them? Um, and will, there, will they stick together? All of those things are really important. And I suppose, as he has already mentioned, that camaraderie that they had this year, will it be developed again next year? Will they bring it on a step further? Will they have the bit between their teeth when things aren't going well when maybe they suffer you know, an injury or maybe one or two lads are suspended for games and so on. Um, that's, when, that's when we'll know uh, we've got you know, an Eden Dark team that's more than capable of staying up. They don't want to become that, they don't want to become that uh, club that goes, you know, can't cope with senior football, not good enough for senior football, but too good for, uh, for intermediate. You know, and, you know, we, we would have seen that at Cookstown in the past as well. So they'll need to learn the lessons from that. Um, and it's next year's key to them. They, they've got to go and establish themselves in senior football. So, you know, this year, obviously, Gabley have established themselves in senior football. They, you know, they haven't become a team that, you know, are, we've, seen, but we've seen some of the other teams go up out of Division 2 that have, haven't gone well this year, really have not gone well. So it's, it's important for, it's important for Eden Dark to, to get a foothold. And as was the first, First couple of games next year will set the tone in that. And as we know, the first couple of games in the league are always like championship matches. So how are Aidan Dark going to come out of those games next year? That's got to be key. Uh, a good start's half the battle, I suppose, Niall, is what they say. Listen, the league, uh, obviously, the, the championship is, is now well and truly ensconced in Aidan Dark. The league title is up for a decision this weekend. It'll be easy for guys to, you know, on, on the light of celebrations and all the rest of it, uh, to sort of maybe prepare not as well as they had done for the championship. But I imagine Lord Larkin and that will not be the case. He'll be very much about getting the focus right. And how, you know, how committed, not so much how committed, but how important would it be for uh, Eden Dorr to complete the double this weekend? Well, I think, you know, English would be no different than us. I think at the start of the year, whenever they sat down, had their meeting, their target would have been, you know, to win, you know, to, to win Division 2. To win win a championship and, and to win the league and you know that was our target our target was to win the double Eden Dark hasn't done it in 35 years and you know, like that's that is the aim at the end of the day is, is to win I, we could have sat back after winning the championship two weeks ago and this, or Saturday week ago and decided you know right that's us for content but we went down to Moortown and we put on a good display on, on Saturday. Maybe second half with a 15-minute spell, a bit like a Taddy Ray game where we, we took Ray off the ball and they got a few goals. But, you know, at halftime, it was 3-7 to four points and we, we had the game basically sewn up. And, you know, I think that sort of showed that the boys are still interested. They still, they still want to win. They still want to achieve. Lorgan's done really well this year and that, you know, the championship, yes, we, we set out the targets at the start of the year, but... When the league started for the first five games, the championship wasn't spoken about. Then, whenever the championship it started up, the league wasn't spoken about again, and it was just you talk whatever competition you were playing in that weekend. That's all that was spoken about. Um, and likewise, the championship's done and dusted, and now now we're back talking about the league and and wanting to achieve it. And you know, we're look, we're not taking anything for granted. Agnes has been one of our bogey teams at last five, six, seven years, I'd say uh, this is my 13th year playing senior football and I'd say I've maybe beat Agnes once, maybe twice if if we're lucky. Um, the, the relegated us last year, the relegated us before that. Um, you know, every time we play them, it's it's a real cagey dogfight sort of match and they always seem to get the better of us. So we, yes, we are promoted, but we feel like we have a wee bit to prove against Agnes to show them that you know, we, we do have the ability to match it with them as well. There'll be no lack in, in terms of, of, of motivation. Uh, no. The uh, the other question on that is uh, yourself, obviously high feeling. Uh, I think Conor McKellen may well talk about this weekend. We, you know, all his uh, 
situation should be well and truly clear and uh, how do you fast it can up against them? Uh, well, he's been up training away with the county team at this stage, like so he, and he's in, in great condition to be fair to him. Uh, I get on very well with him. I only sort of got to know him through the international rules in the 2017 year and we travelled up and down the road to a couple of the training sessions and I got to know him and so grounded and, you know, for a man that was making plenty of money in Australia, he came home and he, you'd have thought that he was just the same as anybody else. He got on with things and even up at the throne train, he's just, you'd, you'd think he was one of the one of the lads, just he's, um, you know, he hasn't even got his, his throne gear yet and he's just, he's in his Agnes gear and there's no Irish or graces about him. He's not walking about as if, you know, somebody, why am I not being kitted out? Why have I not got gear sitting waiting on me? Um, obviously, Throne knew he was coming back. Um, I think that was that was clear from, from the get-go. Um, but he hasn't made a big deal out of, you know, not having his own stuff. And he just he just gets on with things. And, you know, come Saturday, he'll have the Agnes kit on and uh, he'll be doing whatever he can for them because he, he's not coming home to, you know, play intermediate football either and he'll want to show that Agnes are more than capable of mixing up in the senior grade. I just think of there you talked about him talking out and all the rest. Surely in a basic of how those shorts he t-shirts that he wore in Australia would be the ideal Yeah, yeah. Well he, he cut the he was cutting the sleeves off a uh, Agnes waterproof jacket but we none of us said anything in case he came over to us. <laughs> <laughs> well can we tell last last weekend obviously was, was brilliant for Eden but it was some weekend for the Pies for the Clarks. I mean the atmosphere around the, the area was just it was one of those things that if you could bottle it, you know, you would you would do wonders for, for, for people's morale. But it was an incredible, incredible weekend of football for both yourself and the Clarks. How much behind Dungallon were you on, on Sunday? Well, you ask the, the boys that I know, they'll tell you they they got text messages. I text them plenty in advance because they didn't you know, it can be distracting at times getting messages the night of game or the night before games and stuff. Um I have plenty of friends playing for the game, Clarks. It's different, you know, 15, 20 years ago, they, they wouldn't have associated with each other in Dark and Dungan people. But, you know, I went to school with all them boys, played McCroy Cup football with a lot of them. And, you know, at the end of the day, you, you, have, to, you have to back your, your friends more, more so than, than the jersey. And I was delighted for them. Um, the, you know, the, the courage they showed to, to back themselves talking about earlier on the mentality of club football in Tyrone and, you know, realistically that's what got them through, the, the belief that they could win every game, you know, in the 60th minute they were beat and they've, they've come back and, and finished it stronger, showed that they were a fitter, fitter team against everybody they played, they were patient on the ball, I think they, the game plan that they had against most teams was, was unbelievable, the, you know, even whenever they were behind, there was nothing rushed. They, they waited until the person was in the right, right position to take a shot. And, you know, it was, it was unreal for, the, for the, the locality, the parish, like, to have the, the senior champions and the intermediate. There was a lot of people saying that it had to take away from, from our weekend. But at the end of the day, you know, the way I sort of looked at it was we can only win the competition we're in. And if we had a one been in senior and won the senior league and they had a turn around and won the senior championship, now it would have took away from it. But... The, the fact uh, we we weren't even in the same division, we can't really complain. I suppose like we can't we can't say say anything about it. Like so, um, and both both, both clubs. Say again, sorry. Both clubs are county champions. Yeah, that's it. You know, you can you can only win the win the grade you're in. Like you can't you can't uh, co- compete outside of that. Unfortunately, so. Can we just just in Dungannon's case and in your own case, I'm just thinking how how important was. Uh, I know Kevin has spoken about this before, about the consistency of games and you know, the fact that it was week on week on week. It was a league or championship, but it was it was really really good preparation for for the end of season stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, again, you know, talking about the split season, like if if you're playing every week, you get a chance to work on things. Like even I know we like I don't think either team were were beat this year, like, but that doesn't mean that you played well at every point of every game. But it gave you the opportunity to straight away work on things, get them fixed, and work on them in the, the next weekend. Whereas beforehand, like you could have played a game, and like for example, the the, the club month in April where we we play games for our club, but but, but train with the county, like um, it's you play 
the last game of that at the end of April, you know, could could go well or could go poorly, but regardless, you're not going to kick an all ball for your club for for four months. Like, sure, how, you, you barely even remember some of the lads' names. Never mind get get to work on things. Niall, there's, yeah. there's a lot of chat now around around about the uh, you know the split season for for club and for county, um, and there's almost a a thought process that the county is going to come first. Have you any have you any thoughts on that? I know that you know there was over the last few days there's a a few more opening up the conversation about let's get the club game on first and do the the county later. I am a fan of playing the club first for the simple reason of once your your county's out, then you can start your club football. It doesn't have to be a a fixed thing. Like for so seeing some of the proposals through the GPA, the the first game was to be the start of February with a four week pre season beforehand. No no teams were meant to be trained before that before January, and the All Ireland final was to be in July at some stage, but. By the start of July, there was only going to be maybe four four counties left, and that was the two All Ireland finalists in hurling the two in football. So, like you've already got the whole of July, August, September, October, November, whatever you want, where you want to go, and you know you count back every week from that, and you're you're doubling your teams. You know, so there's only four four teams left in the middle of June for for the semi or the end of June for your semi finals. Eight teams left in the middle of June, so like you ha- you have to consider that road that. You know, I know it's being addressed that, you know, the county season's going to go up to July, but it's only going to be the All Ireland finalists that will play in July. It's not going to be anybody else. So, I think for in in terms of Tyrone, you could nearly be starting your start with your start games if they're going to still have them in June. And by the time you know your county players are out, that they might miss one game. They might miss any if you're put out in the first round, or at at the most you're going to miss the same amount of start games, and then you're you're straight into your club football in the middle of July. You think there's a there's a an appetite amongst county players to play a bit more regularly as well. You know, you, you know, if you'd find there, there's a it could be quite a gap between some of the county, particularly when it comes to championship. Yeah, definitely. Like you know, at the end of the day, you don't play football to train. You play football to play matches. Um, you know, to have any more than a one week break is, is too much. Um, in my eyes, uh, especially like during the league, there's no reason why. You know, for for club games, we'll play, we'll play. You could play ten weeks in a row. We've played eleven. This will be our twelfth week in a row. Yet, for some reason, in county, you can't go any more than three weeks without having a week off. Uh, there's no reason why you can't play the the league off in in the seven weeks and also championship <coughs> off. And what is it, four weeks, and that includes the primary round. And then you could have a week off in between each of the All Ireland series games if if you really need it. You know, I think everything's prolonged, 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 and there's no reason behind it at all. I'd rather have a, a three-week break between the league and the championship than, you know, a week off between every second game. I see some of the proposals for the championship this year. I think there's going to be, I'm right in saying there's going to be four Ulster championship matches played in two days, which yeah. would have been completely, that would have taken four weeks in the, in the past, yeah. you know, back in the uh, back in the and, and there's no reason why not. Like, at the end of the day, I know with with restrictions in place, it, it's obviously not. It couldn't happen next year. But they're talking about this only coming into play in twenty twenty two. Like, surely you'd get a, a bigger crowd at a double header, you know, with two senior teams than than a single header over four weekends. You know, like pe- people would pay to go watch a, a double header, whereas there's there's some of the games in the Ulster Championship, and it's it's probably the best out of the lot. Uh, that that wouldn't particularly whet the appetite of a lot of people. Yeah, the one thing that we can be sure of too, and Kevin, I'm sure you would agree with me on this one, is that uh, many of the Ulster Championship games, uh, particularly in the preliminary and the first round, don't attract the crowds, Kevin, that they once did. No, they certainly don't. know it used to be, you know, it was a standalone fixture every weekend and the whole build up to it and that. And but it's, that's not the case anymore. There's 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 three, maybe four at the most. Uh, big guns in Ulster and you know the other games while they're attractive to the, the participating counties outside that county you know you know years ago you would have went to watch maybe two other counties playing in the Ulster Championship game because it, it was attractive to you or appealing to you but it's just not the case anymore and I think that's the fact that the back the, the, the qualifiers has come along it's probably blunted the cut and thrust of championship football and 
you know, we only have to look back. I know everybody's talking about it, but you only have to look back at the, the, the championship action we've seen thrown this last three months with all grades. When it's a winner-takes-all scenario and everybody's putting their body on the line and you have to do it over 60 minutes and if you don't give an hour, 20 minutes and even penalties. And um, I, th- I think knockout football just brings a different... Um, whole different thing to, to the table when when you're playing for more or less for your season. And I think, say, the inter-county ones, as you mentioned, underdogs, you know, playing each other within the county, it's a big deal. But I think outside neighbouring counties, not, uh, not the same, um, not the same, what are, you know, feel for it to go and watch that, them games. You know, you want to be watching your Tyrone's, your Donegal's, your Monaghan's, you know, the, the big hitters are ma. Um, but you know the other games just don't appeal the way they used to know. No, that seems to be the case in in in, in terms of. Uh, I'm just thinking back to whenever we played. If we were playing in a, in a, in a Austria preliminary round back in, in May, and you won, it might be four weeks again then before you played the game, which is ridiculous. Because when you see the one thing that the COVID has taught us this year is uh, club players are able to compete at the absolutely highest level in terms of intensity, in terms of preparation, in terms of. Of of uh, you know excitement, call it what you like. They can produce, they can perform week on week. So this idea of wrapping county players up on some sort of cotton roll. I, I think too. I think too. it's talked down to you know is the ratio for clean sessions to games. You know this COVID has give us the, the opportunity to to be able to squeeze a, a club season in, and and when you're playing week on week, you don't necessarily you don't have to be doing the same thing in between. And I think, you know, you always felt sorry for county players in a way when they, when they come back to their clubs. You know, um, just, you know, the people, the supporters, whatever, just expected to, to turn it on like a, you know, like a top. I'm interested to hear what Niall has to say about that. But, you know, when you, Aidan Dork won an intermediate championship there. They were all together for, you know, two, two and a half months, whatever it was. And, you know, all singing up the same hymn sheet. And that was evident in their play. Uh, whereas, you know, maybe in the past, uh, Nell and Darren and Con would have been away and then they would have been like, maybe only back two or three weeks and they'd been expected to sit, you know, slot stayed in and, you know, expecting Nell Morgan to do this, expecting Darren McCurry to do that. But they haven't been playing with them now for, for a number of months and you, you just can't turn it on and off. And I think, come back to that, you know, regular season, I think it, I think it has to happen. I think the powers would be, there's no way out of it now. There has to be two split seasons because, it's ridiculous to have um, the way things are going at the moment to, to what is it, eight, eight months to play a county season of what so many games and trying to squeeze in. As Nell mentioned there too, April, the month of, like it's, it's not unheard of for, to start club season and play five or six league games in the month of April. And then you'd be yeah. lucky to get two, you'd be lucky to get two in May and then, you know, the last couple of years there and, you know, I think with the, with the onset of the of the Super 8s, it's not going to change. I think, you know, in July and August is the two months where club players want to be playing football. And then the months are where, where they're not getting playing football. And, you know, if travelling and everything comes back, hopefully, please God, in the not too distant future. You know, if, if there's not going to be club football in July and August, boys are going to be looking at travelling abroad, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of sports there's soccer you know soccer leagues go on in the summertime and I think if we don't if the GA don't look after their own their own players and that there I think you know in a few years time they'll be looking around and wondering where they went to and where the thing went wrong yeah 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 Arnell you, you can bounce back on that one just Kevin but I'm sure at this stage uh, you're also looking forward to starting the Kenna Cup <laughs> no comment <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, well, listen, the split season. Well, come here, listen, we, you know, talking as we are about the county and all the rest, we can't leave that without discussing the retirement of one of Tyrone's greatest ever servants. I mean, a man who has given, uh, God, maybe it must be 12, 13 years of, of, of himself and his life to the county, who redefined the role of the sweeper, who uh, played midfield and won an all-star in the full-back line and, and did, well, you know, what, a, what an absolute gem that Colin Chapman was. We are really going to miss him. He has been some servant of Tyrone, and I'll tell you, you could count the number of bad games he had on one hand. Yeah, I think you know, I whenever he he texted the group there on Thursday night, and you know, we're all texting each other straight away, wondering, you know, where where to come out of. We obviously knew that he 
didn't have many years left in him. But uh, whenever he committed at the start of this year, we thought that he would continue and, and finish it out. Um, so it, he's a, it's a massive blow to the county. It's a massive blow to the way we play. Uh, we're going to have to, you know, maybe change our setup because you know who who else fills the the role the same way as he he does, in particular in a short period of time. Um, but I I always thought that Collie was underappreciated really until he went into the sweeper role. Um, even though I could see what what he was doing further out the pitch as well. Uh, for for me as a as a goalkeeper hitting the kickouts, he was. Uh, an easy target to hit. You know, he always made himself available no matter who he was marking. He had a great uh, ability of, of finding mismatches, particularly out to, to my left on the 45, the amount of kickouts that me and him got away with on top of a smaller wing half forward. And, you know, he just provided a, a safety net as well. Like, you know, free kicks, he would stand the line beside me and he would just tell you, look, if this comes in, I'm going for it. You know, just you stay in the line. And you know, even even having that sometimes just gives you a bit of confidence that uh, you, you know that that it's safe that if, if something was to drop short, and then in the dressing room, you know the the leadership qualities that he had, the the personality that he had, um, it was just it was easy to get on with, like, and you know, obviously he's starting up his own business there now, and I hope it it goes well for him because he he deserves every success that he gets because of the hard work that he puts in. Yeah, and I mean the. the from his point of view, of course, as you say, the focus now turns to, to looking after himself in terms of career and development and building the business. But the unfortunate yeah. point, the unfortunate thing is that now that his footballing career is over, this time next year, he can be walking past uh, on his way to a county match, groups of drone supporters, and hardly more than recognise him. Yeah, that's, that's it. Like, you know, I often talk about you know, in school there, to, to the children in the class, you, you bring up Peter Canavan's name and they're looking at you, you know, as if, who, no idea. who, who is this man? That he's, and, like, then you sort of think to yourself too, like, you know, like all the children in the school might look up to me now, but, you know, whenever this generation of children go, the next the next group, by that stage, I, I'll be retired as well and, and they'll not even have a clue who you are, never mind the fact that you played football. And, you know, that that's bound to be the hardest part of retiring. And I think, you know, I'm 29 now, probably don't have many years of county football left and you have to be sort of wondering to yourself, you know, uh, you know, how, how do you get over that sort of, that part where you're walking down the street and people want to know how Trone's going to walking down the street and people head down and walk past you because they don't know who you are. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll tell you two, two things. One, we did at the, one of the last All-Ireland matches, uh, Damien and I did a, we did a show from the Skyland Hotel and Brian Duhart came in with the family and went to the bathroom, and then we called him over to a quick chat room. And Brian Duhar would see All-Ireland medals in his pocket. He didn't have them in his pocket that particular day. But <laughs> I, I would. If I ever have three All-Irelands, they would be in my pocket at all times. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I thought uh, being in the middle of the field with you, you know, the other middle field, you're in your, po- in your pocket, but that's a different <laughs> story. But Brian Duhar was standing with his children, chatting with us, and there were guys looking around, you know, I had no idea this man had captain thrones or two All-Ireland titles. He had three All-Ireland senior titles. He was wearing his clan the Yale club top, as modest as ever you like, and the vast majority of people sitting around hadn't a clue that this was Brian to her. You know, it's just yeah. hard to believe, but that is the, the reality of it. The other thing I was going to say when you asked about playing on, Damien Harvey will tell you that goalkeepers' lives only begin at 40, you know. Uh, well, this one's not going to be kicking ball at 40, let me tell you. <laughs> well, they only begin on the golf course at 40. Uh, that's, that's right. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking long term. <laughs> you're, thinking, you're thinking plus uh, plus handicaps. That's what you're thinking. That's, that's the aim. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've often talked about about Colin Calvin. We're hoping to get him on tonight because I really so much we'd love to talk to him about. But you've talked about him, Damien, about a guy who played through the pain barrier. He was a a fantastic example. Uh, you know, to to younger players and and to teammates. Yeah. Look, I was fortunate enough to see a close. A, at first hand, you know, Colin Kavanaugh up at, at County Training and um, like there was nights in that he went in there and, you know, he was there obviously very early, you know, well prepared for training. But he was one of those players, I have to say, who, who in my opinion, he trained hurt quite quite a number of nights. He he, he would have went in there, you know, and you've, you've seen physios basically tearing him apart, piecing him back together, putting all the strapping you wanted on him and just sending him out. And, 
there were other guys who were about who were going, I ah, just, you know, I don't fancy it tonight. Nigel's here and Nigel's there. It's cold outside. Can't really be bothered. But I have to say, Colin Cavan is one of those players. You know, there wasn't a night that were in Yavahai, you know, that he did not go out and train. He trained every night. And he, he trained, there's, he's bound to have trained sore. Um, and that would not be the case for, for all players. Um, but that's the sort of individual you're dealing with there. And a very modest fella too, you know, you know, and very much one of the lads as well and enjoyed the crack. Uh, and a wedding boy at, 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 in the middle of it as well. Like. But um, I have to say, he's been a remarkable servant for Tyrone and, and people like Colin Cavanagh do not come up, they're once in a generation players, you know, they'll, they, it'll be a while before we'll see another Colin Cavanagh of that ilk and his contribution, he may only have they won all Ireland, several lost the championship medals, but what he's given to the county, you know, over the last number of years has, has been been remarkable. And we go back to the some of the games that he's played, and even in the National League, in mucky early conditions and winter's days, where he's he's kept thrown in Division One. Really, yeah. some of the interceptions he's made and some of the challenges he's made, and that's because of the effort that he he put into during during training. I think. Yeah, and his tackle, his timing, Kevin, his timing of the tackle, I think it was against Monaghan one day in Coke Park, if I can remember right, but he made a tackle, yeah. if, a, if a pickpocket had made it, they'd be talking about it being the greatest pickpocket ever there was, but it was an absolutely fabulous tackle. Only I was on Twitter there the other day, no, that, was, that was all in semi-friend, I think, two years ago, and uh, I don't remember who it was caught in, but he just, the big long hand just got in, and it was, it was textbook stuff, and I'm doubt, you know, Listen, he was he was under underrated, maybe outside of Tyrone, but definitely not inside Tyrone. He was a hell of a player, and uh, just uh, reiterate what, what Niall said. But we've been saying that all along. Like the, it was uh, it was unbelievable that he was overlooked by the National All Star Award for so many years. Like there was at least two years in a row, he was the best midfielder in the country, and uh, you know he didn't get an All Star, which was. Uh, I don't know how how they didn't come up with that, but listen, he's the sort of fellow that went on. I'm sure that didn't annoy him. It may, you know, he just went out and done his bit for Tyrone. Whatever he had to do, he was now you know, I was catching ball in the middle of the field, taking scores, which was something he really added to his game. I thought, and and after the first few seasons, and uh, but back there, um, you know, in defence, that, that ball coming in, he was always a safe pair of hands. He had an unbelievable game that day, and. In Bally Buffet there a couple of years ago when Tyrone broke their championship uh, hoodoo and we were talking to him afterwards and uh, he was in great form, great fettling. Somebody too, you know, I'll have to say um, that was always very obliging to us. You know, no matter when you asked him anything for an interview, he was always, you know, never a problem and uh, he definitely will be a massive loss to Tyrone, I think. I think Moy, hopefully he will get now a couple of years football um, with the Moy because we've seen, we've seen players there like Hub Hughes and, and uh, Philly Jordan, boys like that when they retired from Tyrone. The injuries that took their toll and, and they weren't able to give the same, you know, the last couple of years of their career to their club. So so hopefully uh, Colm will, will uh, get a run for the Moy and um, have another few seasons left in them. Yeah, and of course, as I say, you mentioned, Kevin, about the All-Stars. We did recognise him ourselves, boys. We, we, we did acknowledge his contribution. And uh, we he was our Player of the Year on a couple of occasions. Yeah, yeah. That must have been the, that must have been the, the year that Niall Morgan collected a, a, an outfield All-Star or something. Because, uh, yeah, maybe maybe that was the same year. I can't, I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, look, he was, I think he was a fan's favourite. Let's put it like that. He certainly was. He certainly was. Well, folks, you listen to the LCC weekly show uh, coming uh, to you here tonight on, on the Monday evening. Our guest, our very, very special guest, Niall Morgan, uh, telling about the success of uh, Eden Dork and, of course, their parish rivals on Gallant as well. Now, we're getting to the end of a wee bit with you because then we will, we will stay on and do a wee bit more. But um, just with, with the, the whole thing, it's somewhat up in the air at the moment with this COVID stuff. Um, what... Your general feeling on that, do you think, is is the season going to go ahead or do you think is there a possibility that this 16th October date that you mentioned may, may be extended? Yeah, I think it's, I, I think it probably will go ahead, but I don't think it should, if, if that makes sense. Uh, 
I think at this stage, it's there's there's just too much going on. There's too many contradictions coming out from from different sections. Um, you know, it's just it's hard to see how you talk about keeping bubbles tight and stuff. Then you can go up to Givahi and train with boys from multiple different clubs who have multiple different jobs and in multiple different places and. You're bringing it all in together. Even me as a teacher, I'm I have 29 in my class, and you're you're bringing I'm bringing 29 their bubbles up to Givahi with me, and any other teachers bringing the same in. It just to me it it doesn't sit right, and it's something that I think needs to be to be reconsidered at this stage. I, I think whenever it was announced, it was a great idea, and things were were in the downward spiral. But I think you have to take things as they come, and at the minute, with with the number rising and rising quite quickly, um, I, I don't, I just don't know whether it's the the best thing to do. Well, we will watch this space, so to speak. Well, listen, thanks for taking time to to talk to us tonight. Uh, hopefully, we'll be chatting to you at the weekend if things go right in terms of football being played. Uh, we wish you well in your quest for the league and championship double. And uh, I was going to mention one final week question, I suppose. No Ulster series this year. Is that a cause of regret? Yeah, well, I think that's why the county should be cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good, very good. No, no, no. Honestly, it's it. This, our target was at the start of the year was was to do what we've done, and uh, and then the the leagues obviously still to come. And if that's how it's end at the weekend, then. We, we've, we've, we've set out to achieve, yes. Well, if, you, if you just step outside the house there um, and walk up the street, you'll get all the Ulster Intermediate and All-Ireland you want there. So just... uh, um, I'll, I'll leave that where it's at. I'll not say any more. <laughs> no, that, Noel's dropped out because of that noise back. <laughs> um, no, look, it's, it's disappointing because in, in 2015, uh, we lost out to Lachlan Island uh, in a game that... Uh, Mark McGrannis was in holidays. Hoyo pulled the hamstring that week, and and we just felt that that it was nearly left behind. And they went on to to hammer everybody in the path to to Ulster success. And I don't think they won the All Ireland, but you know it just it almost felt like like we left it behind back then. So it would have been nice to to be given it a rattle, but it, it's not to be. And you know I'd, I'd far rather be playing senior football next year than than be be given Ulster intermediate a rattle next year. Listen, as I said, all the best for the weekend and, and, and hopefully we'll catch up with you for the weekend. Well, there you are, folks. That's uh, our thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, Kevin, Damien, we still have bits and pieces to go through. I suppose, Kevin, worth looking back at the at the weekend. Uh, a few finals that we played, at, at youth football and so on. Some very, very entertaining football. Uh, the youth football at the weekend, Noel, was you know, it's a gift that keeps on giving the... Um, I was an under-14 replay up in Nahalu on, on Saturday morning, Derry Lachlan and Eskrin. It was a joy to watch, you know, everybody go, you know, no sweepers, every full, two fully committed teams, Derry Lachlan, just a wee bit stronger in the last 10 or 15 minutes come through. And then yesterday, under-16 grade two championship final up in, in Eric Kieran when I just had a point to spare over Fintna. And again, another terrific battle, two very well-matched teams. And... I think the youth football has, has took on from the you know from the next eight and dark and again what they've done this year the, the whole championship them youth players have, have watched it on TV or been there and it just it's just carried on in the same the same vein and, and it's, it's a joy to watch. Joy to watch indeed. Congratulations also to Moy who had a brilliant one over Rock again another very high scoring game that went to extra time. Extra time seems to be the order of the day. In, in Tyrone in terms of I just, I, just before now I'd, I'd like to ask Nell what he thought or the Calvin final yesterday but in the Calvin senior final by all it finished the draw and um, there was no extra time there was going to be a replay um, you know penalties not there now I suppose as a keeper and somebody probably takes penalties herself too but um, not the ideal way to uh, to decide a, a county championship like Dungeon or not won't mind the way they won it, but surely um, a replay would have been a better way of, of coming to the net. What do you think? Uh, well, from a goalkeeper's point of view, and Damien might agree with me slightly here, it's the only chance a goalkeeper has of, of being a hero is a, is a penalty shootout. You know, no matter what a goalkeeper does during a game, they're, they're never the hero. So 
I'm I'm a big fan of penalty shootouts because you can never you can never be wrong as a goalkeeper either if if the score is not your fault. So, um, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of penalty shootouts. I think the fact that the the state did at the start that you know it was going to be extra time and penalties, it's it's fair. Everybody knew what was happening. Um, yeah. I, I believe that they said that if if Kieran Barker had a missed that they were they were going to go to a replay if they had a missed, um, and been even after two sets, um, but. He showed serious battle, the same as in the the semi final, hitting the forty five, stuck to his technique and and backed himself. And you know, if if I was on the Dungan side, I, I certainly wouldn't be complaining. And you know, at the end of the day, Trillic can't complain either. They came through the Kelly Clower game, yeah, with the penalty shootout. Um, so look, it's as as long as everybody knows the rules, you have, you have plenty of opportunity to practice and. You know, at the same time, I'd probably rather lose in a penalty shootout than than lose by by a point in an extra time or in a replay. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be, it's you know that's that's why you 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 put yourself forward and and the five people that hit the penalties are, are the ones that put themselves forward to do it, and they put themselves in opposition. They put themselves in the position to be the hero, so they have to be be willing to take the the flak if if they end up the villain. Yeah. Well. That's a debate for, for maybe another day. But uh, I just want to mention, just when Kevin mentioned the, the Cavan final, well done to Edirne yesterday and uh, Fermanagh, who broke the run of Derry Gormley. They were looking for five in a row. A fantastic one. Marty McGrath, man of the match, 39 years of age. Mr Harvey, there's hope for you yet, possibly. Kevin mentioned you've been out ten, 10 years in now? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lot fitter than I am already. <laughs> I, I was at... Kelly Turner yesterday morning for the under-14 Grade 2 League Final between Lock McCrory and Drumrah. Two brilliant sides, very, very well coached. You knew these guys had a pattern to play. It was brilliant. It was low ball to the forward line. Bowers coming out, one on the ball, taking men on, going past them, taking great scores, fantastic support play. And a bit like the senior finals that we watched there, blocking, tackling of the highest quality, sportsmanship of the highest quality. Really, really top, top, top drawer stuff. And congratulations to both. Congratulations to Drumrah on the, on the narrow defeat, uh, but I know that those guys will enjoy a few one days in the future. But to Lock McCrory, that's two years in a row with on the 14 titles. The guys up around the lock are doing something something well. And uh, Shane and Stevie, Damien and Brian, well done to, to you guys. Damien, we watched a bit of uh, Camogie over the weekend. I just a wee bit of Camogie over the weekend. I, yeah, I have to say we were, at the, we were in Dungan uh, Hurlfield on Friday night. An absolutely fabulous game between uh, uh, Eden Dark, who nar- narrowly lost out um, to a very good English side. Uh, I have to say the standard, standard, absolutely incredible. Look, um, they had also were too strong for uh, Eden Dark yesterday in the, in the intermediate final. But I have to say, fair play to fair play to everybody involved in the Camogie. And I have, one of the things you you know you note about it is is the welcome that you get. At the gate, and you know that when you're going to promote the game, um, they're absolutely delighted to see you. And I have to say that they're doing serious work. They're doing serious work, and the, the you know the managers and, and so on. And like Eden Dark Club, I was chatting to Paul Maxwell, so on Sunday. The amount of teams at Eden Dark are out in terms of Camogie, ladies football, and and men's. I think there's something like twenty something plus teams on the run at any one time there, and that's that's a severe going for for a club like Eden Dark. Um, and I'm working talking about a small club. I don't know where, where they haven't got their small, big heart, bloody numbers, and uh, uh, savage work is taking on in the Camogie in the US, watching uh, Arrow go to the final as well, though. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, the, the number of dual players that there are in Eden Dark is, is colossal. And you mentioned Eve Tasha, of course, they won their, their final at Europe, but um, again, they open or offer Camogie to, to Pierre and some other clubs as well, and the likes of Gronje Raffery. From Kalisha, he was in and had a stormer of a game, player of the match in that particular game. Uh, again, another girl who, who, dual player, fantastic to see, and, and long may it continue. Aerog, of course, hosted Braca yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening, final game of the weekend, and won convincingly. Nora Ward, all the way from Tipperary, was the captain, and as I say, it's a long way from Tipperary, but her mother and father came up yesterday to watch her play in that and to captain the Aerog side to the final. Brilliant weekend of uh, great. Then the two junior Sammy friends as well. I know Damien maybe doesn't want to talk with them, but I'm glad, I'm glad you uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Damien, we'll leave it up to you. 
Well, we obviously we watched um, John Quinn against Drumraw Saturday, Noel, and I have to say Drumraw were full, full, uh, uh, full merit for their victory. Uh, I thought John Quinn got a goal in the second half, but really was a wee bit against the run of play, and and Drumraw were um, very well, not very much the better team, but you know I think they deserved their victory on the day. Um, then. Across, across to uh, now Kevin Kelly's knocked uh, all the scenery down there in the background. But anyway, across to even uh, yesterday then, and uh, yeah, Kildress, as we suspected, no, and as I've been telling you all year, this Kildress team uh, are are something different. And uh, yeah, they went on to record uh, a victory over Cookstown, and um, I suspected that they would have the legs for Cookstown in terms of their speed and their agility to get around the pitch, and that's exactly what happened. No doubt about it. Listen, we're nearly almost at the end of the programme. Before we go, a couple of wee things I want to mention. Dale, one of the 14s, brilliant. They're out again this weekend. Well done to them. Eglish as well, uh, on the 16s. Great result for them. And the final leaders, ladies, who won the league as well at the weekend. Well done to them. We have been hoping, folks, to have a wee uh, discussion, a wee question and answer session on Thursday night, looking ahead to the junior final. But with the COVID situation, we decided not to pursue that. So apologies to both clubs from La and to Kilgrass, but we wish them every success this weekend. That's about it, folks, and that's something I've missed. But Niall, again, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Best wishes of the weekend. And folks, from the LCC show, from Damien, Kevin and myself, all the very best.